Hey everyone, just wanted to let you know that the format for this episode is a little bit different. This is a candid interview slash conversation that I had with my personal friend, Nathan Elliott, who is a musician promoting his upcoming album. We'll explain why I would podcast about this early on in the interview. I also cannot vouch for the absolute scientific accuracy of everything that we said in the conversation. That isn't to say that anything we said was incorrect, it just wasn't rigorously researched beforehand. So take anything we say with a grain of salt. You will also hear a little bit of my dog in the background. Her name is Charlie. She pants when she gets excited, so you might hear that or her whining for attention. I'm not neglecting her, she just wanted pets or to interrupt a podcast. I don't know her intentions. Also, make sure you stick around until the very end, because I will be showcasing one of the tracks from the unreleased album. So, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Nathan, say hi. Hey! Uh, Nathan is a musician and a personal friend of mine from the Twin Cities, and uh, thank you, Nathan, for uh, coming all the way down here to Iowa for doing this interview. Absolutely. In person, considering uh, we could have theoretically done it over over skype or something but uh, well but we're friends yeah so we're friends. We, we need to hang out yeah too. We, yeah yeah i actually haven't seen him in quite some time so yeah. anyway we're here today talking to nathan because nathan has a new album coming up and you might be asking yourself well okay that what does that have to do with uh your normal format of the show daniel this is supposed to be like a, a philosophy of science kind of kind of thing well i th- I think Nathan is probably the best person to uh, answer that. Also, apologies, there is a panting, whining dog in the back <laughs> in the background, so that's probably just gonna. I'm be also kind of nervous and breathing de- uh, heavily. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> okay, okay. Uh, well, yeah, philosophy of science. I mean, that's uh, for for folks who don't can't really uh, comprehend or well for lay people like myself uh, who kind of um, appreciate peripherally the advances of science and uh, the things it can teach us right you know we we uh, see the world through our own lens and mine is music but um, yeah I definitely love philosophy I love art I love um uh, a lot of different things uh we're we're complex creatures and i mean this this album well like i mean we're we're here it's called by ourselves and it's just me and a piano it's kind of a departure from my uh previous album universe and me uh which had plenty of overdubs Give your That's Brain Break from Nathan's first album. This one is just uh, me and a piano and uh, was recorded live at home. So um, I'm really excited and a little bit nervous to share it. But uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the spiel unrehearsed. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, the reason we're doing this interview is because you released Universe and Me about five years ago Mm -hmm. and we did an interview together i did an interview of you on the precursor to this podcast which was in the basement of my dorm building at college Mm -hmm. Uh, i was part of the radio club on campus so we did an an interview similar to this one but it was recorded live this is the follow-up interview yeah uh, based on the follow-up uh album to universe and me (laughs) yeah but um 
yeah let's five call years it, let's, later yeah <laughs> we should call it uh maybe a homecoming or um i don't know we're gonna go go see that spider-man sequel later right oh yeah homecoming? okay <laughs> yeah right, right. yeah we can tie that in somehow <laughs> <laughs> lots of uh overlaps of uh different universes of nerd culture sure (laughs) (laughs) yes i know the movie was called far from home don't at me so yeah universe and me was an amazing album they're they're both amazing albums but they they both stand out to me for completely different reasons Mm. you know universe and me is very i would say is is more science heavy than this one not that this one is not science heavy in its own way like in in terms of music i would say it's pretty science heavy and very science themed and a lot of and a lot of songs in particular but sure universe and me stands out because like like you said and i actually wanted to bring it up it it's a lot more complicated music wise and Hmm. this one's a lot and you even like had studio time for the for that one i think didn't you oh gosh i mean that was um yeah that that was a much more involved process we should say um i'm not sure if i agree that the the music itself is more complex on universe and me it just has a lot more going on layer wise but i think i think that's kind of what you meant anyway like there you know it sounds like a full band even though we tracked stuff uh well we did multi-tracking so um a lot of the vocals on universe and me were um you know just me playing the songs with my acoustic um a lot of those vocals were um were just from those initial recording sessions um and then we got into layering more and more stuff and we had to just give ourselves a deadline otherwise we might have just kept going on indefinitely um that's something i i picked up actually from your brother who uh who told me that like you know i i'm not gonna get stuff done unless i give myself a deadline my brother is also a musician and that was perfect advice uh we ended up i think coming up with some pretty cool stuff but yeah for this one um there are five more tracks than are on universe and me and i think possibly six with a bonus track um but yeah all of them are are um you know way way more minimal production it's just me and a piano like i said Charlie. And uh, on the instrument that I wrote the tunes on, so I, I felt it was appropriate to bring um, the engineer in uh, to record me, your brother, again. Um, yeah, it's, we're all one big happy family here. But uh, yeah, sometimes uh, we feel like we're on our own. We're by ourselves. And I wanted to get that sort of intimate vibe of just like someone who's thinking about things and responding in a musical way just at his or her or their instrument of choice this one being piano something i (laughs) until relatively recently i've been kind of afraid to um tackle it's a pretty um Mm. i think intimidating instrument um having having not done any lessons or anything so uh but anyway yeah that's uh i think i i'm pretty proud of it (laughs) so you're not really like classically trained in piano or anything no. so you no. <laughs> you kind of have to had to like teach yourself piano for this album well sort of yeah i mean like i i mean <laughs> classical pianists i mean concert pianists right like who right. have all the training and can do all of the amazing things um 
I cannot. <laughs> I um, I basically taught myself piano um, through writing songs. Um, kind of how I taught myself mandola, um, you know, years ago. Uh, with with piano though, it was just a handful of years ago since uh, since the release of my last album. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a handful of months after that. So um, I would say I'm still a beginner, but I, I don't know, feeling more and more confident on these tunes every day and trying new things with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a, a, a challenge. <laughs> it, like I said earlier, I mean, I think the piano is really intimidating and it, it's just so many possibilities. Like, where do you start? For me, it was just writing about stuff I've been pondering. so a lot of the tunes i mean at least some of the earlier ones written kind of pick up right where universe and me left off uh thinking about the concept of time um and you know how we are very tiny but that's at once terrifying and you know sublime and also empowering um i wanted to keep on that theme and also get a little more introspective yeah, so I, I, I will say this. You really don't uh, come across as amateur on the piano <laughs> in, in the album. It, uh, it sounds really, that. really good. Thank um, you. So where did, where did the choice come from to just do this album in piano? Because it, it really stands out in that way, mm-hmm. in that simplicity of it just being vocals and piano, right. as opposed to the other album, which had a lot more instruments woven together. Well, um, so I think uh, just in general, as far as uh, my approach to composition and songwriting, I like to be able to accompany myself on one instrument. The piano was the instrument that I wrote these tunes on. Um, A lot of them started with a piano pattern or like maybe an ostinato for nerdier folks adjusting their glasses, (laughs) listening. I'm doing it myself right now. Um, But uh, I like to give myself... Uh, keep my hands busy. <laughs> I'm making air quotes now. You know, and that actually helps me internalize the tunes. It helps me memorize words, interestingly enough, as opposed to just making block chords on beat one of every measure. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Um, it helps me stay engaged, like as a as a listener to um, to hear something, you know, a little more involved uh, in the instrumentation. Um, but I also wanted to make them accessible, and I think I think my voice being just kind of this higher tenor, you know, kind of clearer tone. It's not very Kurt Cobain, even though I I love I love Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, my voice is kind of more of a boyish, pure tone, and I I don't know. I wanted to lean into that a little more this time. I wanted it to be featured. Um, I wanted the uh-huh. um, composition and just the I I don't know. I guess my um my abilities to be a little more front and center now this is like a new thing for me as i said the piano so i've got a mix of pride and anxiety (laughs) as i release it but um i think i think overall i'm 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 pretty pleased there are always moments that you know any perfectionist i i'm not a perfectionist but um you know anyone listening to themselves might might identify with like oh well that the way i hit that note is always going to bother me forever but then thinking about like people hearing it for the first time they might actually like that little gravelly tone you get you know um by accident you know that's uh, almost um, more engaging in some ways yeah so um yeah anyway i tried not to overthink it but inevitably i did and that's what led to a couple years of just 
back and forth thinking about if I want to add stuff or not. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't <laughs> in in the end. I'm glad mm -hmm. it's just a solo album. Yeah, the I really like the simplicity of it. And mm -hmm. I as a podcaster, I 100% get what what you're saying <laughs> like I I'm always nervous about uh, making an episode and <laughs> just like how it's going to be received and how yeah. whether somebody is just going to email me and just 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 rip into me <laughs> for mm. some reason or if yeah. some some academic is gonna listen to my podcast <laughs> and be like well this is wrong and it's like well I get that because I'm an aspiring academic I want to go sure. back to grad school and sure. back to grad I want to go to grad school go back to school yeah. being grad school but you know the I I get that anxiety about <laughs> doing things with your voice and uh, doing audio projects and having the nervousness of that and like there, there's an episode that i did on it was mostly an interview with a professor okay and the interview was about pi the the, the, the number pi <laughs> yes and the irrational number i believe yes yeah. <laughs> and in that episode i made a really dumb like uh arithmetic error a, a really silly one it was something like five divided by two is 1.5 instead of like 2.5 oh, it, it was yeah, something yeah. really dumb like Just that a mistake, yeah. and i was and <laughs> nobody pointed this out to me after listening to the episode initially oh yeah and then somebody commented and said you said this and i was like oh you've got to be kidding me mm. because for me <laughs> it's like i write this script and if i don't proofread it well enough then that sure. stuff stays on the script so when i'm recording yeah. it i'm just reading the script really oh, and then okay. yeah and then that error was in there mm -hmm. now i could have gone back and changed it yeah and and then re-uploaded it sure but i never actually ended up doing it mm -hmm. and um i did but i did put a note in the show notes that said i made a mistake here for that, sorry to interrupt that just reminds me of um when i was <laughs> when i was releasing a uh, universe in me i had a tune called entropy and um, the lyrics were um, recorded as we dig mines and landfills, adding to our entropy. But I sang it on the take as speeding up our entropy, which oh. doesn't make any sense yeah. if you understand entropy to be this. Uh, well, it's like you can't speed up a unit of measurement, right? You can't yeah. speed it up. I was going for like we're you know adding to greater entropy, but anyway, yeah. in the lyrics in the in the liner notes on the physical CD, they are correct. But um, on the recording, uh, yeah, it's still speeding up our entropy both times through the chorus, and uh, I never changed it. I just added a little note on on my website. Uh, yeah, for for <laughs> me, it's like because I could change it. Uh, I still have the audio. Yeah, and I could go back and edit it and change it and just sure. add it in. Sure. But for me, it's kind of. Like since I'm doing a science podcast, mm -hmm. I kind of want to own my mistakes. I like in that. A way. Yeah, yeah. And I think it helps me get over them a little bit better. Well, and then you learn from them, yeah. right? You're actually like, um, instead of erasing and you know putting the correct answer, you know, it's just right there. You're, it. I think science in general thrives with transparency. So with Nathan's unique vocal range, we steered the interview towards ideas of masculinity and about perceptions of what a quote-unquote man is supposed to be. So I guess um, for for those that are wondering, might be hearing your music for the first time, so you, you are a natural tenor, you're not doing falsetto or anything. Uh, that's 
Debatable. So I'm yes and no. In in high school, I sang a first tenor, which is the high tenor part. But I have this kind of in between thing I like to just pop up there for the like insanely high stuff. And I would say that's maybe more more like in the counter tenor range, more like in the alto range. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been something that like I don't know. I've been kind of more shy about historically that I've just been leaning into a lot more recently and because of that I've I think I've gotten better at it um so I don't know like I like when uh <laughs> folks give me compliments I mean everyone loves compliments but like specifically about that like ooh, it's like where is your break really like it sounds like it's very uh yeah. seamless it's yeah. like oh well I uh I've been working on it yeah <laughs> 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 so where does that shyness come from is it like the cultural idea of men aren't supposed to sing very high absolutely i mean it's it's yeah it's toxic masculinity i think um just Mm -hmm. this idea that like there is one okay way there's one acceptable way by society there's charlie (laughs) singing tenor right now um to sing like my my voice changed uh i think a little later than my peers and so I was singing soprano in seventh grade while, you know, that my slightly older buddies in the same grade were singing alto, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, I was one of two sopranos in my choir. Two, I'm sorry, two male sopranos. And, uh, yeah, th- I mean, that was a point of insecurity until, you know, we had a variety show where I got to do a solo. And then it was all of a sudden, like... Oh, you're a good singer. And I'm sort of self-deprecating, like, oh, I sound like a girl, right? But why is that a bad thing? You know, why why can men not sing like girls? Like, girls are awesome. They can be awesome singers, too. You know, in, yeah. I would tell myself if I were, you know, getting bullied or just, you know, kind of like, ooh, like people listen to recording, uh, for example, of like a band that I was in in high school, and they say like, oh, who's that woman singing? You know, I didn't really take offense to those things because deep down and this is gonna sound really shitty but like i knew that i wasn't a girl but then thinking about it now seeing it out loud like what a what a horrible thing to even just think about like well as long as i'm not a girl as long as i'm secure in my masculinity then i'm okay well no that's that's we gotta unpack more of that stuff like uh yeah for sure (laughs) and i mean i deal with toxic masculinity in in my own way in that Mm -hmm. well you know first of all i come from a a rural community so the the there is a lot of masculine energy in the males in this (laughs) community especially growing up and going to public high school here because i think in in a lot of ways i physically Mm. my, my physical manifestation is kind of of like the typical masculine man i'm i'm pretty tall i'm taller than you are i'm like oh, yeah. six three six four mm-hmm. i'm and a very broad shouldered mm-hmm. i'm balding so i've i've buzzed my my hair and i have a beard mm-hmm. and so i embody a lot and, and i mean i'm wearing steel-toed boots for god's sake <laughs> and so i am i embody a lot of these physical traits of like the mass the 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 masculine image of a man mm-hmm. but i don't feel like that kind of a man if that makes sense because i come from an artsy family i I come from a 
yeah, a, a pretty like liberal artsy family, and I like art. I, I like the arts. I like music. I. Bye, Charlie. <laughs> I. Charlie's bored. <laughs> I, I like dogs. I like cute animals. I like movies. Oh, yeah. I like to feel emotions, and I like to talk about my feelings. And yeah, so I. It's it's weird to like feel almost like I I'm okay looking the way I look, but it I feel almost like I'm a poser if that makes mm. sense. No, I I'm I mean that's yeah I think I, I think a lot of well so I think a lot of folks uh, you know assigned and raised male um, are you know starting up these conversations uh, and like you know trying to investigate this idea of like you know traditional masculinity and um just what it means to be a man right like that's it's something you you know i don't i i also uh have had like a um like a pretty pretty um open-minded open-hearted um upbringing you know my my parents are also theater artists um, but like this idea that you're you are in control, right? Like you know you'd never stop for directions, you know, yeah. like getting vulnerable is is like the worst thing you could do, like crying in front of you know, uh, crying in public, you know, is just something right. you don't do. You gotta man up. All that stuff is just really I, I think detrimental. I mean, this idea that there's there's just like a, a very tiny box. You know, there's always this kind of sense of worry if, like, I was, you know, maybe too angry or too emotional or, like, too fill-in-the-blank, mm-hmm. like, too, um, you know, feminine. They never they never would come out and say it or, like, tell me I was doing anything wrong and really uh, gave me a lot of room to be creative. And, like, I'm really grateful for that, of course. But there was still just, like, uh, you know, pressure, I think, from peers and culture to be this one kind of thing like the uh the f word that i heard a lot was fag growing up right like and that was just a catch-all like this is a person we don't like right Mm -hmm. i mean i don't hear that as much nowadays um but you know i think it i think it's still there i think there's still a lot of baggage we have to um work through and talk about wow i wasn't expecting to get on this topic but like i'm (laughs) Not regretting it. Yeah. Do themes of toxic masculinity come out in your lyrics? Not too much. I mean, at least not on this on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written like almost an album's worth of new material. That's uh, like even more stripped down, like even more basic, just kind of four chords and then go kind of thing, um, which I'm which I'm really excited about. Um, but before I get ahead of myself, like I, yeah, I don't think those are those topics are addressed they're not like directly addressed there is a tune um i think we could call it the single it's um one of the more poppy ones um it's called sorry for nothing yeah the lyrics start with to delight the mind and excite the heart we will throw our pain right into the arms we're sorry for nothing we can't finish if we don't begin it's kind of dancing around this idea that like you know (laughs) when you're hurting when you're at this uh uh you know when the emotion is too big uh you you gotta you gotta start singing you gotta get it out you gotta start 
you you got to get it out in some way and i think art music is the best way to do it and i mean it kind of harkens back to um you know my musical theater days Mm -hmm. uh, learning about like we'd sort of make fun of um you know this idea that like oh no one ever just bursts into song with like all these yeah right like um I, i say we in that like you know this is putting myself back in seventh grade again watching uh like when we had a a substitute in choir and they show us west side story right like oh my god look at those f word again like look at them they're all dancing and like nobody ever does that but that's kind of the point of the musical is like it's not real life it's an exaggeration it's theatrical like that's uh, it's obviously not improvised like all these right. dancers you know and it wasn't uh, for you know another decade at least that I began to really appreciate some of this stuff I mean in particular that film West Side Story uh, just the um, like the choreography the dancing like the music itself like Leonard Bernstein genius genius composer conductor you know popularizer of some of the late romantic composers like uh like Mahler like he took Mahler all around the world uh, a lot of a lot of things that I like to I, I like to be forthcoming about IRL <laughs> um, I don't necessarily <laughs> like to get bring those things into my art per se I want my art to be this is going to sound um highbrow or elitist maybe but I'm just going to go for it I want it to seem timeless I want it to be something that you wouldn't necessarily know when or where it was recorded I think with just voice and piano that leaves the palette very open the palette of possibilities very open to just be like well if you produced it to sound like a really really old recording Mm -hmm. you might be able to trick someone into believing that it was recorded you know the turn of the 20th century or something like that i've always wondered what audio and video quality might look like any amount of time from now because it always seems like we are at the pinnacle of what is possible in production quality but history shows that is never the case and I'll, I'll say this, um, I know it's only been five years, but <laughs> the, the album Universe and Me, it's, it's aged very well on me. <laughs> I, I love it just as much now as I did back when I first heard it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's talk about musical influences. Oh, boy. Okay. In, in this. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure you could talk all day on this, but yeah. are, is there any particular musical influences that come out in this album in particular so my brain tells me to say no to that because i want to seem like i'm out of nowhere like i want i want people to not pigeonhole me um this is something i need to work on obviously to be a a more professional musician you know you go on to whatever streaming service or a website you know, or like if you look at a one sheet, you know, promo material for a band you've never heard of, there will always be the sounds like colon and then, you know, a, a short list of artists. Mm-hmm. When I was playing a lot more Mandola, I, I think it is pretty obvious that uh, Chris Thiele is a huge influence. Um, his his technique and his songwriting is just beyond um, beyond me. For this one, uh, <laughs> I love the piano. I love the um, romantic era of pianists um we're talking like brahms uh debussy get into maybe a little bit of uh, Liszt, chopin saint like these are all just 
like have stood the test of time kind of like genius composers and I'm not putting myself in that category yeah. in any way but just aesthetically like I love um, like even if you go back to that transition uh, between like the classical and the romantic era you got Schubert who lived 31 years and somehow wrote over 1100 works of music the last five years of his life I believe he was uh, very sick uh, with syphilis um, so like he uh, had a very short tragic life but um, over half of those works 600 of them were um, uh, leader uh, uh, art song so just just voice and piano and he used lyricists or you know poets famous poets of the day um, to, to and I, I can just imagine him sitting at the piano writing as if like <laughs> by necessity like to live that was the only thing he did and mm -hmm. he was um in poverty his entire life uh, you could argue that like you know he took advantage of you know very giving friends um you know who supported him like he had a good support system he, he was known to party a lot um and he, he may not have been he, he didn't know how to market himself mm -hmm. in any way like he was in beethoven's shadow his entire life like he only lived one year after beethoven he was set up to be his successor but i believe he was like 25 27 years his junior and beethoven <laughs> didn't care about anything he was basically deaf yeah. so like yeah. but i mean just uh, i don't know like Sch schubert to me like that that collection of I mean, 600 plus lead. If you're ever curious about, you know, stuff that influenced me, like I, I, I've listened to so much Schubert, particular the, in particular the chamber works, just the the art songs and um, the piano sonatas are surprisingly um, just just moody and uh, like he 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 knew how to capture this um, idea of like loneliness of introspection i think more i i would argue more um lucidly than even beethoven like he was on his own he was <laughs> by himself <laughs> i uh, for a lot of his um um i don't know for a lot of his life and, and and you know he he may have been he may have been perfectly happy his whole life but you know a, a lot of the a lot of the poetry he chose a lot of the moods he created sonically are very poignant, very um, achingly beautiful. That's that's the sound I want to go for without sounding too proud or pretentious. Like, I want my stuff to make people feel like a spectrum of feelings. Like this, this is sad, but it's also like very genuine. It's also very um, honest. I want to I want to do that more and more every mm -hmm. day. You know, speaking of influences. Uh, <laughs> When I, you know, when I listen to the album, you know, the, you you mentioned before you you weren't doing quite the typical piano playing that mm. you might expect in a piano Singer, vocal songwriter. song. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was reminded a little bit of the band Dawn of Midi, <laughs> in some some of the piano is very like. Uh, mm. you, this is the name of a song on the album. Very, mm. very much like clockwork. It's very like, ma <laughs> like machinery almost. Yeah, yeah. And I, I it's kind of, it's kind of got that angular thing where, um, 
I'm keeping the rhythm right, but I'm not pronouncing it necessarily. Like I want the vocals to be able to just kind of soar over, you know, something I think more involved with my hands. And yeah, I mean that that didn't come out of nowhere. Like I had to. <laughs> The process, at least for a lot of these tunes, was like I would write the parts, write words, and then I would have to practice them to be able to actually play them, which is where I could much more easily, much more confidently accompany myself on guitar or mandola. I know where I know where everything is there. Um, this was this was a, a challenge, um, the the process, the writing process in particular. Um, but since you brought up that tune, Clockwork. If you listen closely, the um, the right hand is always playing three notes um, and fr from low to high. Just like clockwork bound to a sun, though we don't agree on the rhythm of our evolution. The left hand is playing four notes da 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 dun dun da da and you know that's gonna sound that's gonna get boring really fast when you repeat it but if you're offsetting you know the the three rhythm in the left hand with the bum bum da da dum bum 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 like there are common denominators that come through yeah. eventually you know we get super nerdy about math um as some of us musicians do um, but you know, it it was uh, th lyrically, it ended up being about um, space time. Like it, I wanted to put three against four to symbolize three spatial dimensions with an additional temporal dimension. Mm. So like, and that's in both of my hands. Now, like that's the that's the nerdiest explanation. You don't need to <laughs> yeah. know any of that stuff to appreciate the music, hopefully. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, that's that's kind of where my brain goes. I want to explore all these possibilities and, you know, maybe keep some secrets to myself. Like, uh, I've you know, it's too late on that one, I guess. Yeah. That. Yeah. But like, um, you know, the first the first verse is kind of more about Newtonian physics. Like, if the stars could surely remain bright and distant, fixed in a frame. Like at the time, Newton thought the stars were all fixed, right? And that the universe wasn't in motion. You know, Einstein changed all of that, right? Well, Einstein also also <laughs> believed in a static universe for some time. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you he told did. me. No, no, yeah. tell me again. He, um, Remind me. <laughs> Einstein believed for a little bit in a static universe, and he was playing around with some equations and he saw that the universe should be expanding mm -hmm. and he said well i don't like that so he introduced the cosmological the, the cosmological constant, constant yes! which sort of nerdy. which he called his biggest blunder and right. then hubble came, came along and said i see redshift in galaxies yes and einstein looked at that and uh then you get the biggest blunder quote, right? And that that changed everything. It was it was Hubble that did it uh -huh. in, um, initially. Well, and it just like I mean, it sort of breaks the illusion that there are like you know geniuses who can just sit and like if they think hard enough or study hard enough, they can understand everything. Yeah, and it's like it's That's never been that way. Pure it's always, rationalism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always been, um, you know, I think. I might have stated before, uh, well, no, science thrives with transparency, but it also thrives with uh, collaboration. Yes, like, yes. You can't, 
you have to make mistakes to understand the universe better. So then fast forward to like in a marriage of space and time, mass mm-hmm. and energies intertwine, vows are sound in longer line. <laughs> like it's that that gets into hawking yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. And um I mean I don't know, I just can't I can't stop thinking about you know what where we're going like what's what is this thing reality like what are what is yeah. what is what does it all mean what's happening and um, you you see more and more the collaborative effort of science and mm-hmm. and innovation because we don't live in a time where you're gonna have as many people like galileo like newton like <laughs> madame curie like einstein you know you're ruben uh dark matter science projects are becoming bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and become more and more collaborative efforts you mm-hmm. you can't have like small experiments anymore Mm-mm. that discover a big thing about the universe like unless it's by accident yeah but we don't we don't know what to look for in the, that case the black hole image that came out was a, oh, a yeah. collaboration between like 200 scientists and as humanity goes into the future we need to think less on an individual level and more on a collaborative level. Hmm. Now, Nathan did not go to school for science, but science is something that he obviously cares very deeply about. So I asked him about sources of scientific wonder for him that would be beneficial to other lay people. What's a a good thing to to read or do or whatever to go have their mind blown? I think I mentioned this in a in a press release for um Universe and Me um Stephen Hawking's uh, A Brief History of Time. I mean, that was (laughs) very well written, very um, accessible to a lay person. Very, um, I mean, the dude was funny. Like, he has a great, I'm sorry, he had a great sense of humor. Like, Mm -hmm. and I I imagined him delivering things through um, uh, his interface, right? Like, you know. As if, like, it's just the driest humor. I, I found it so entertaining, and even the stuff that kind of went over my head was, like, still um, accessible. Still, like, I could still appreciate a lot of what he was putting down. So, yeah, I mean, I'd recommend that. Um, I, You know, I've been on a nonfiction kick for a long time, and I'm not sure why. Um, I think part of it was maybe, like, late teen years I was... Uh, you know leaning towards like atheism uh Mm -hmm. as opposed to um you know the christian upbringing that i had right so um you know the curiosity was almost by necessity like well if there is no god then like what is there well wait there's everything else (laughs) there's all the other things that humans have observed and written about right i wanted to know what else was out there besides like my uh specific whatever it was uh brand of christianity that i grew up with assemblies of god maybe pentecostal um so like yeah there are a lot of good feelings that come from church i'm not i'm not trying to make anyone feel bad about their beliefs but it just um as a system right like as once you make it about rules and in and out groups then it becomes dangerous and particularly with the monotheistic religions that that has um that has happened like that's made the world kind of divided mind-blowing stuff i mean yeah i loved the um 
anything Stephen Hawking, really. I would suggest stuff in the science section, pop science, as opposed to the math section. Yeah. So you get into yeah, the math yeah. section of his stuff, it's got a bunch of equations, and the books are way thicker. Um, yeah, I'd suggest uh, some of his pop science works. Uh, there's a cool book, um, I haven't seen anything else from the author, by Adam Frank, called About Time. Um, I really love that one. You know, it's been hard to feel inspired lately, and I don't want to blame anyone for that, <laughs> except myself. Like, I, I think I've been in kind of a rut as far as, um, you know, getting myself inspired to do things. Um, but all that said, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still a huge fan of anything, you know, physics made easy related, anything yeah. quantum, anything multiverse, uh, anything that you know, uses math in a way that, um, well, is accessible, I guess. Um, there's a cool book called, uh, by Char Charles Seif called Decoding the Universe. That's a, that's a new one. I think it's 2005-ish. Well, for a lack of being inspired lately, you made a, a very beautiful album. Thank you. We were reaching the end of the interview, so it was time for Nate to plug his album and upcoming release show. I, I should mention um, the album name. It's called By Ourselves. Um, it's we're gonna release it. I'm releasing it on uh, July 28th on Bandcamp. It'll be Nathan Elliot. Uh, Elliot is with one L and one T, like T S Elliot. Nathan Elliot.bandcamp.com. And I'll put a link in the description. And um, we're gonna do a live event to coincide with the release. Um, july 28th again at um republic seven corners from six to ten in minneapolis um, in minneapolis thank you and uh my friend uh tressa johnson who's a brilliant uh poet awesome person is releasing her third book closer to the sunshine and we're like really excited about the lineup um we've got um kari jackson uh who's a playwright just brilliant performer um uh, he, he does a lot of different things. I saw him do uh, a, a dance piece, and I mean, talk about mind blowage. Like, he was, <laughs> I just, I was changed. Um, I'm not exaggerating. Like, it, yeah, he's brilliant. Um, Shava Gabriel, who I have yet to meet, um, she is a St. Paul's Youth Poet Laureate, so we're excited to have her performing as well. And um, Maya Elena is a guitarist, songwriter. Um, I, I don't really know how to describe her. Um, I think, I think I've heard the term like folk jazz being uh, associated with her, uh, but it doesn't sound like folk, and it doesn't really sound like jazz. It's kind of like sophisticated folk. Like it's got jazzy chords. Um, it's not so much just uh, easy stuff, um, but it sounds. She makes it sound easy. I don't know. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, she's. I'm really excited to play with her. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's our lineup. So, yeah, we're super excited. Nathan, thanks again so much for being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for um, inviting me or, like, you know, tolerating me <laughs> um, <laughs> in, your, in your space. Um, yeah, I appreciate it as well. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> A big thank you once again to Nathan Elliott for being on the show. The album is By Ourselves and is out July 28th. You can find it and his previous album, Universe in Me, on his band camp at Nathan Elliott, E L I O T, 
www.bandcamp.com. There's a link in the description. Also, if you hear this in time and are in the area, the release show is once again in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Republic Seven Corners, July 28th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And now, enjoy the debut of Clockwork by Nathan Elliott from the upcoming album. I'm Daniel James Barker. Keep exploring. Just like clockwork bound to a sun Though we don't agree on the rhythm Of our evolutions Is it fitting or so profound That direction be paramount To collision free a cyclone of dust and gas spun from star guts expelling trash like a phoenix rise from and 